Now, you follow with me as I read to you from a book that's inerrant, it's infallible, it's inspired, it's the very mind of God, it's black words on a white page. And this portion of that book reads like this. Sing, O barren one, who did not bear, bear forth, break forth into singing, and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, I think most of you know that we just wrapped up um, our annual missions conference, did so last week. It included all kinds of good things, stimulating things, <clears throat> and some fun things. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, just as an aside, when, when I was a young lad, you know, back when we were still drawing pictures on the inside of caves, um, when, when I was a young lad, um, the very mention of the word missions sent a cold chill down my back. Because for me, missions meant a slideshow, which was usually so boring, and oftentimes the, the, the equipment, the projector equipment didn't work, and the, the people making the presentation, in my humble little mind, were a little odd, and, and then it was long. So the mention of missions just... Ugh. wasn't a, wasn't a happy one for me. We don't want to do that to you and your families. We want your children to have a word association of missions. And ah, hot dog, uh, it's missions week next week. We enjoy that, that week. It's a special week for us. And so we do all kinds of things to, um, to make the emphasis about missions to be a happy one. Uh, like the taste of grace and the food trucks and all of that business that goes on. It's designed in the hopes that we can build a missions culture here, which is a joyous thing, a, a, a pleasant thing, and an anticipated thing. And so this morning I thought I might just put the cherry on the top and winding up that emphasis upon missions by introducing you to a man who um, is called the father of the modern missions movement. Now, you know who that is. Um, his name is William Carey. You may uh, have already heard of that man before because he is called the father of the modern missionary movement. He had some very humble beginnings. He was a village cobbler, and you know what a cobbler is. A cobbler is one who makes shoes. This little shoemaker uh, was not only the village shoemaker, he was also the village teacher. And not only was he the village teacher, he was also the village preacher. So he was trivocational, but he was, a, he was a cobbler who was armed with a text. He was armed with the one that I read you. Uh, you may not know it, but uh, William Carey has a place in in church history, but so does this text. 
Did you notice the, the, the imagery that it included? It was like that. It was, it was a picture of a nomadic lifestyle where people still lived in tents. And the admonition is enlarge those tents, uh, get bigger ones, stretch the ropes, because there's about to be added a flood of newcomers to this household. William Carey took that text to mean something about what God was up to in reaching the world for Jesus Christ. And so he preached that text to his own congregation, and it was through that text that he ultimately became known as the father of the modern missions movement. He took that sermon and that text to his denominational conference trying to plead with a lethargic church to awaken to the duty that Jesus Christ had entrusted to her. And when he finished preaching, uh, one of the uh, commissioners at this conference of his denomination came to him and said this. This too, by the way, has, um, is famous in the annals of church history. This man said to William Carey, when God pleases to convert the heathen... He will do it without your help or without mine. Now, that's um, <laughs> a, a rather embarrassing response to a plea to go do what Jesus told us to do. But anyway, um, it was that kind of church to which Kerry made his appeal. On the day that he made, oh, and on the day that he preached that sermon, there was someone standing next to the pulpit. As he preached, now, now get that, that mental picture, uh, a man in a pulpit and someone standing beside him. That man's name was Andrew Fuller, who also had a hand in the modern mission movement. In fact, I think this is true. I can't be sure, but I, the seminary in Fuller Seminary in uh, California that exists today was named after this Andrew Fuller. Andrew Fuller was a friend of William Carey's, and he told his friend, William, you go down into the pit, and we'll hold the ropes. What he was saying to his friend is, Carey, you head on to the place that God has called you, and we'll make sure that all of your needs and all of the supplies and resources you need will be there available to you. So, in August of 1793, William Carey and his family sailed for India. They arrived on November the 11th of 1793. I, I, that date is interesting, to, at least to me, because it was also the day that the French Revolution erupted in Paris. So while this cataclysm is happening in Paris, William Carey is landing in India in Calcutta, which is now called Kolkata, but he lands in Cal Calcutta and, and lays claim to this whole continent for Christ. While he was there, that is, in India, he learned to speak 12 different Indian, native Indian languages. You know, that's one of the things that India is known for, for the 
hundreds of native languages that are there in India. He learned to speak 12 of them. He opened an indigo factory to provide jobs for the, the, the people. He also started the most enduring and famous Bible college in all of India. It's still there today. Um, and here to me was almost the most interesting part. William Carey spent 41 years in India and never came home for a furlough. While he was working there, he also planted some 20 churches and translated the Bible into seven different Indian languages. Pretty dadgum impressive, at least compared to pipsqueaks like me. When he died on June the 9th of 1834, and by the way, the couch on which he lay when he died was taken from Calcutta, brought to London, and is now enshrined in Oxford University. You can see the couch on which William Carey died. Um, but as he was dying, as he lay on this couch, he was visited by a friend whose name was Alexander Duff. So they spoke for a while, and as Duff was leaving, he heard this frail, weak voice from behind him who said this to him. Mr. Duff, you have been speaking of Dr. Carey, Dr. Carey, Dr. Carey. When I am gone, speak no more of Dr. Carey. Speak only of Dr. Carey's Savior. When you, when you run into people like this in church history who accomplished so many great things for, for the kingdom, you begin to wonder, what is it that made them tick? Well, I want to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that one of the things that made William Carey tick and so useful to God was that he never forgot that the center of all that he was and all that he did was Christ and him crucified. which is the focus of this sacrament. Ladies and gentlemen, we are people who have fractured hearts. Our hearts are um, given off in little bits to various emphases and priorities in our lives, such that things that are lasting and eternal get smothered under all of the other emphases. So, one of the things that Gracie Van does, in the hopes, that the people of God will never forget What is the center of who we are and what we do is that we offer this sacrament to remind you 
that the centerpiece of all that we are as an as a individual believer and as a church and the center of all that we do is Christ and Him crucified. Oh, to serve Christ like this man. A good start is to place Christ and His accomplished work on our behalf at the center of our thinking. Let's do that again. Let's pray together. Our Father, would you remind your people that the church is not about the activities, it's not about this men's program or that women's program. The church is about Christ and all that he's accomplished on, on the behalf of his people. That we are that we are everlastingly safe, not because we've been such good Christians. We haven't been. We are everlastingly safe because Jesus Christ did his work perfectly. That everything that we need to stand safely in your presence has been done for us and granted to us by way of gift. And so, Father, would you allow us to concentrate and fix our attention just for a few short minutes on all that Jesus is to us and all that he has done for us. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.